This is the part where we just kick back and we open up our, um, our notebooks or journals or whatever and we start jotting down stuff as fast as we can and we just listen. Do you have friends that when they start to talk, you just kind of go on? Yes. Keep, no, keep talking. I'm good. Like you're not in a hurry. And that's kind of how this is. This is such an intimate time when the Lord speaks to us through his word. And so I'm so glad that you're here. So whatever, wherever you are and however you are, this is a great time to hear from the Lord. Now listen, we're welcoming Mike back. He was with us two years ago when we were still doing church in the bar. I still love saying that we were doing church in the bar. It was fantastic. What a great season for us. Um, But he was with us for our very first encounter. And so we're thrilled to have him back. Gathering family, how do we welcome Mike Field to the platform? It is good to be back in Alvaro, not at the bar. You know, it, it's just, uh, we started a movie theater, so that's where our church began, and we went to schools and everything else, and, uh, but we never did a bar. I think it's just kind of a cool thought. I don't know. Guys, thank you all for coming out tonight. I, I am really just enjoyed watching through Facebook and others what's been taking place, things you've been posting. Uh, I know all the speakers that have been here, and honestly, I'm intimidated. I'll be, be straight up. Denise and I were talking on the way over here. I said, you know, why do they bring the practical guy at the end? You know, I, I follow your pastor on Sunday. What an amazing message. You have one of the most creative ministry teams I've ever been around, just from not just what you see, but how they think. And uh, we were just sitting there a while ago, and like, you know, you're, you're putting Facebook to raise dollars for hurricanes. I just went online and wrote a check today. That's all we did. I didn't ask anybody. We just did it. You know, my people like Sunday, hey, thank you all. We, we wrote a check. But y'all got to be involved. That's very creative. And Paul's always been one that I just glean ideas from. And Wendy has just been a, such a, a blessing. And Denise and I, just friends. And we're thankful to be in ministry together. And I'm so glad that Charlotte and Alma are pretty close to each other. And I live right between them, so it makes it even better. But then I, I know Jay from way back, and uh, Jay, is, Jay and I were youth pastors way back in the day in the Charlotte area, and uh, we both have lost a lot of hair, and, uh, but we've learned a few things over the years, and I think he's an amazing pastor, doing a great work. And then Terry Furr, I mean, you bring the prophetess on the place, and it just gets deep quick. But, it, but it's not deep that's like over your head, it's deep here that changes you because it's rich in God's Word. And I know Mark Ivey was new to y'all, but we've been with Mark Ivey a long time. you got to look down tonight. Last night you had this tall, skinny preacher, and now you got this short, squatty one, okay? And uh, he is that prophetic kind of pastor. And I'm kind of the fix-it guy. I'm the, I'm the practical guy that comes in and tries to figure out how do we live this out. And that's really what I want to do tonight with you as we wrap this up. Let me, let me say this. You all influenced us. We just finished our first encounter in the history of hope this week. We had never done it before, but when I came here two years ago, I said, we got to do that. And we got in our building. Uh, we got in our building about six months before you guys did. We built too small. We're already uh, we're in expansion mode right now. We've torn it all up and adding more space because we just built some. A dollar does not go as far in, in Mecklenburg County as it does in Stanley, and that's just truth. I'm telling you. Uh, so a little more expensive there, but God has blessed us, and uh, Hope is going to turn 11 years old this Sunday, and we're pumped by that. Uh, it, yeah, come on. That's a, that's a God be the glory. Uh, we were driving over and over to Mount Pleasant. The, the church had a little sign out said they're celebrating their fourth year. And I said, any church plant that celebrates four years, that's a celebration because that's, that's, really that's really when you understand, are we going to make it or not? Are we going to really see this happen or not? And guys, y'all have been so faithful. You've been so a blessing to this community. And I want to encourage you tonight. We had a word spoken over us last night by, by Pastor Uranus' wife who was there to speak. And she said, you know, these encounters are, are what we call hinge moments. Things change. There's a direction that God wants to put in you for this season ahead of us that we have to be open to. And I hope this message tonight will help you help you see that in your own life, but also see it collectively as a church. So tonight, I want you to find in your Bibles the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 47 is where I'm going to be speaking out of. And Paul and I were sharing before service, and you know how God does things. We don't, we don't plan things as much as we, we admit. Uh, when it's good, it's God. When it's messed up, it's us, okay? But we were just talking, and God was actually speaking this passage to him on his morning run this morning. So I think, uh, again, I think God has just something he wants fresh in us. 
You know, I, I had the privilege of growing up in, in the great state of Texas, and, and we consider ourselves our own country. Forgive us, we won't secede. But um, if we did, you'd be in a world of hurt, because most of the gas and oil does come from there. Uh, and, and, and growing up in central Texas, out here we say our summers are hot. And I have to admit, I've, I've acclimated. I've been here over 30 years now, and I've become a Carolinian. My kids are all Carolinians, and uh, it is hot here. But, but I have to go back in my mind that in a kid, we, did, we only had two seasons where I grew up. We had hot summer and mild summer. Trees did not turn, turn colors. They went, they went green and brown. That was it. Either they died or they had, had leaves on them. The first year Denise and I moved out here in 1987, we literally were like mailing leaves back to our families in the fall. We're like, look, they changed colors. You know, we read about it, you know, pre-internet days. It was like, it actually happens. And, and, and the summers there, I remember that my summer going into my last year to high school, we set a record of, of 76 straight days of over 100 degrees and no rain and as a family we were blessed that in our family there was a lake house it was up in this place near san antonio called canyon lake it's outside a little town called new Braunfels, a little german town and and there there was two rivers that came together and they ran in that area one was the guadalupe one was the comal and the uniqueness of those rivers were is they came from a very deep deep spring that literally in the middle of summertime, when it's 105 outside, you come to a riverbank and the water to be in the 60 degree range. It, it would make you hold your heart, you know, <laughs> do I really want in this or not? But yet we anticipated the river every summer because we knew that, yes, it was going to be hard to get into. And we might get slowly into it. But once we got out in the middle of it, the current took over and we would just float all day long and it would be a refreshing like you couldn't get anywhere else. And I, I was thinking of that when I was reading this passage because Ezekiel had a vision for a people that were very, very much in a bad place. He had a vision for a people that, that literally had been taken into captivity into Babylon because of their disobedience and their lack of trust in God. And he was writing to the children of Judah, and he was, he was sharing with them what God was sharing with him because Ezekiel was a prophet that had visions. And some of his visions are very famous. For those of us that grew in church, you may know about the Valley of Dry Bones. Anybody that uh, it speaks to us that always there is no situation that is so far gone that God can't breathe life into it. Amen? Whether it's in our marriage, our life, our finance, God is always breathing life. And then in the section here in chapter 47, he, he gives this vision of this river flowing from the temple of God, that, that everywhere it goes, something amazing happens. And I want to read it to you right now. I know it's a lot of scripture, but I, I think you are a church that values the word of God because everywhere this river flows, there was healing and there was fruitfulness. Check it out. Ezekiel chapter 47, beginning in verse 1. It says, the man brought me back to the entrance to the temple. And I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced the east. And the water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east. And the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits. That's about 1,500 feet. And he led me through water that was ankle deep. And he measured off another thousand cubits, and he led me through water that was knee-deep. He measured off another thousand, and he led me through water that was up to my waist. And he measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim, and a river that no one could cross. And he asked me, Son of man, do you see this? I want to stop right there, and there, there's so many lessons in this, and just point a couple things out as we, as we go forward through it. Number one, notice that God always leads us into, into deeper places in the spirit and in the word to refresh us and to renew us. He never drives us. Have you noticed that? We are not cattle to be driven. We are sheep to be led. And our God always leads us. Come, follow me. Come, walk with me. Because I want you to see something. And, 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 he, and I love that word. He said, what, son of man, what do you see? God is always showing us stuff. He's always wanting us to learn something. And one of the things you see in this prophecy, which I think is a, a word to the church, and it's interesting that Paul shared it with me before service, we were talking about it, is that if you notice the water was getting deeper the further it got away from the temple. We as Christians sometimes think the deepness is in the church, the deepness is when we get out of the church, and we need the Holy Spirit not to have a good service, but to actually reach someone for Jesus Christ and be a witness, which was the purpose of the Holy Spirit's infilling in the first place. 
So he invited him. He says, what, so man, what do you see? And he goes on, he says, he led me back up the riverbank. So he took him into that deep place and he brought him back out. He says, now when, when I arrived there, I saw something. I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. And he said to me, this water flows toward the east region and goes down into the Arabah where it enters the Dead Sea. The Arabah was this dry region between Jerusalem and the Dead Sea where nothing lived. But it says, when it empties into the Dead Sea, the salty water becomes fresh. And swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. And there will be large numbers of fish because the water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, what does it say? Everything will live. Everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to Eneglum. They will, there will be places for spreading nets because the fish will be of many kinds like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But notice the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. You know, that's always interesting to me that as God moves, we always have a choice to say, no, thank you. We always have the choice to say, not me. And, and this picture is this river flowing out, making everything fresh, including the Dead Sea. But there were swamps and marshes that said remain salty because the water wasn't able to flow into that place. But he said, fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will the fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Father, I pray tonight, God, that, Lord, you will open our eyes, O God. Lord, as you said to, to the prophet Ezekiel by the Spirit, Son of man, what do you see? God, I pray for all of us, God, tonight. God, we will see clearly. Lord, we will have an understanding, God, Lord, of what you're doing, not only in our personal lives, God, but what you're doing through this church and through the kingdom building ministries around the world, oh God, that are, that are reaching out with life-giving word, Father, to a world that desperately needs to know the truth, for the truth will set them free. So, Father, speak to us, God. I, I pray, God, use me for your glory, God. Help me to get out of your way, God, that you may be known. I pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. You know, as we look at this picture in, 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 the, in the church world, especially in Pentecost, we, we, we talk about streams of living water a lot. In fact, Jesus made that prophet, whoever comes to me, it'll be like streams of living water flowing through them. And it's this beautiful imagery that God is always refreshing us. He's always pouring into us, but there's always a need of that outflow. That literally, the life we live is not just about more, more, more. It's, it's about, God, let, it, let your water flow through me, God, so that others may be refreshed by me, by the Spirit of God in me. And in this imagery, he, he takes us to this place of, of understanding that everywhere God's Spirit goes, there is something that comes to life. Everywhere His Spirit flows, which the river represents, it, it brings fruitfulness, it brings health, it brings, it brings blessing, and it brings life. It reminds me as we, as we go through that of, of what does it really mean to even have life? Because honestly, I speak to a lot of people that, that they go to church a lot, but I, I ask them sometimes, when's the last time you really felt alive? When's the last time you really felt that God was working in you and working through you? When's the last time that you didn't have to, oh, I got to get to church so I can feel alive? No, I walk in the newness of life moment by moment, day by day, because God is working in me. God is working through me. And I ask you that tonight. When is the last time you felt truly alive? You know, John 10, 10, Jesus said something so profound. He was speaking about the difference of what the enemy of our souls was doing, what we were doing. He said, you know, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But he said, I have come that you may have what? It's okay to speak here now, Mara, isn't it, right? That you may have life and life to the full. I, I really enjoy what the message version says right below there. It says, I've come so that you can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they've ever dreamed of. I don't know about you, but... Uh, I dream big. I, I, I think God does so much more than we ask. We limit ourselves so much by not believing, not asking, not, not accepting what, what God can do. I've got a young lady that's on my, my team. Her name is Melody. And in our area of Charlotte, you wouldn't know it because it looks very wealthy. It's right off 485 in the university area. But by being a church plant, we're like missionaries. We get in deep and we find out what the needs are. And we found out we're an area with a lot of hardworking people at the end of the month don't make enough. They, they're the working poor. They, they may have a nice house, but in the month it's food, groceries, medicine, or rent. I can't make them all. And so she had a vision for a food pantry, and I was just dumb enough to agree. And I'm like, okay, sure, let's do it. Why not? Next thing I knew, I started seeing someone who was a dreamer. 
and someone who was not afraid to ask God for anything. And we were starting to grow in this food ministry. We, we feed about 51 families a week right now. On average, we buy about 2,400 pounds of food from Second Harvest, and, and we, we just make it work. And, and we were growing in it, and one day she's like, Mike, I need, I need to stop using my car. It can't handle this food. I'm like, I agree. And I said, well, let, let's look for a bus. Let's look for a van. And uh, we had, God had blessed us, and I had kind of an amount in my head. I'm like, I'll, I'll write the check. We'll get you a bus. And she's like, no. God told me he'd give me a bus. Okay. I said, well, it's okay. I said, you know, it's okay. I can write the check, you know, so let's start looking. And we, we price them out. And so I let her speak every Sunday, the first Sunday of the month, just get a little snippet about what's happening there. And she gets up and she says, she goes, we are believing for a bus. Pastor wants to write a check, but God is going to give me a bus. I felt chastised and loved at the same time. I'll be honest, because <laughs> she knows I love her. And I was like, yep, there you go, people. God is going to give us a bus. Let's pray. Amen. I'm like, God, please give us a bus. Literally, we don't get off the platform. A little lady that, that, that comes but doesn't really engage that much walks up and says, I'm supposed to buy you a bus. I said, that sounds cool. She says, now, you want a new bus? Those are kind of expensive. No, no, no. We don't want a new bus. It's okay. And, and she says to me, she goes, how does $10,000 sound? What was the check I was ready to write? $10,000. We have a bus. Our capacity increased because everywhere God's Spirit flows and we trust in Him, things come to life. We live in Him. He does exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. But yet, sometimes as believers, we don't know how to define that life. We, we don't know how to, how to say, what does it look like to say I'm fully alive? I mean, in the churches I grew up in, fully alive was a lady that like, danced around everywhere with a tambourine. That, there you go, that's life. Then again, she may not be a witness for Jesus at all during the week, but we, we, we did it off emotion, right? It was, a, well, they're alive, man. They're like a live wire. But what does it really mean to be alive in Christ? I want to help you with that tonight. In fact, I, I did some research. I was trying to look through the Bible and say, what are some characteristics of, of people that are walking in real life? So I want you to find yourself in this tonight. So the first thing is this. If, if, if you're walking with real life, you're fully alive, fully awake in God, the first thing you notice is this, is you start enjoying your relationship with God. You know, it moves from I, I've got to to I get to. It, it's not a duty, it's a delight. You know, it's, it's when the person said, oh, I can't wait to go to the house of God. I can't wait to go hang out with my family. I can't, I can't wait to go and worship God together. Why? Because something inside of you changes when it moves from a duty and you understand I'm not trying to get to God. He already got to us. He did it all. Our salvation, we can't claim any part of it. And yet, we sometimes get caught up in this duty-bound walk before God instead of recognizing, no, he wants us to enjoy fellowship with him. The second thing that we do when we come to life is we start walking in the uniqueness of our calling. How many of you know you're all called? A few of you. Awesome. Because, you know, we kind of like, oh, that's for pastors. Come on. That's for missionaries, evangelists. Da, da, da. No, we, we are all called by God. We were made uniquely by him. He knit us together in our mother's womb. He put gifts and talents in us that he intends to bring out of us for the kingdom to grow through us. One of my best friends always says this. God wants to use the uniqueness of you to reveal the uniqueness of him to some very unique people. Because you know what? You reach people I'll never touch. We all have this sphere of influence, God says, but yet we learn to walk in it. We learn to be okay with that. We don't have to pretend to be somebody else. We don't have to act like the, like the person we sit next to. We're going to be who we are in Christ and be okay with that. Because God is the one that transforms us. He moves in the inside out. The next is this. When we become fully alive, now we become fully empowered to be creative and to pursue big dreams. I, I just can't imagine what happened if we tapped into the creativity of the body of Christ. I can't imagine what would happen if we, if we all, instead of sitting back going, well, you know, I'm just a small fish in a little big pond here, saying, you know what, God has something in you that everyone needs to hear, that everyone needs to see. You know what, we can wear a lot of people out in the body of Christ because they're running on extra steam trying to, trying to be more gifted than they can be because others who are gifted never step up. And yet when you become fully alive, you can't wait to offer your gift. 
You can't wait. You're the ones like, hey, pastor, I'm not weird. I know I'm new here, but you know what? I can rock the piano, or I can, I can help this way, or I, I can teach a class. Now, as pastors, we're a little offish when people come that way. We're like, whoa, wait a minute. That's what growth track's for. Let's, get to, let's make sure you're not coming here like dating, you know, Satan's target. To, you know, no, let's make sure you're good. But at the same time, we learn also, and I think we're in a day, we, we have to be quicker. We have to be quicker to embrace each other's uniqueness and giftings and say, yes, run, let's go, and trust the Holy Spirit in the midst of that. You see, when you come fully alive, you get empowered by the Holy Spirit, and you get to pursue your dreams, but also, in the midst of that, this sense of purpose comes out. I think the word purpose is such an overused word in the body of Christ. Everybody's got a purpose. It sounds like the participation trophy is kids get these days for playing games, you know? Everybody gets a trophy. Who cares? We have purpose. And I think one of the greatest lies of Satan over us that keeps us in the deadness of religion is this. He thinks that's for everybody else but you. But you have a purpose. When you come fully alive, you know it. You wake up in the morning and say, I don't have to do 20 things. I do one thing. I do it well for God. You wake up in the morning and you're not waiting for someone to tell you what to do or, or how to do it. You say, I know how God made me. I understand my uniqueness and I am called to fulfill my purpose. Because someday when you draw your last breath, I hope it can be said about you, they fulfilled their purpose and then they died. And now they get to worship God in heaven forever. Amen? Sometimes we think our purpose here is just to worship. Can I tell you, we're going to worship for eternity. But we can only witness now. We can only serve now. We can only reach out now. We get, we get caught up in, oh, the move. We want, to be in the, we want to be in the move of God, which is that center of the river. But remember, the river gets deeper out of the temple, not in the temple. We have to recognize our purpose is not just so we can sing a better song and raise our hands. It's so that God equips us to be his witnesses. I love this next part. If you're really fully alive and, and these things are taking place, the next one is this, and that is you can laugh and find humor in all areas of life. I, you know, I, I grew up in the church my whole life. My mom was the organist. I mean, come on. You don't get closer than that. My dad was the deacon. We did. I, I dated the preacher's daughter, married her eventually, you know, and, and God got back at me by making me a pastor, but that was his business. And, uh, you know, it, I used to sit back and look at some of these people and going. I don't think they think anything is funny in life. I mean, a preacher coming and tell a joke and they're like, oh, he's just too worldly. We should be the most fun people in the world because we don't carry the weight of the world. We don't carry the weight of sin. We don't, we don't deal with that junk. God has set us free. He said, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And you know what happens when you get alive in Christ? You stop taking yourself so seriously. Because you recognize you're not it. He's it. And if he can work through you, he can work through anybody. Amen? Tell that to your neighbor right now. So you start seeing situations that are just like, okay. I mean, you know, y'all been through it as a church. If we start anything, Satan comes after new things. And we deal with junk. And as pastors, we always we run into crazy stuff. But it's not just age and experience. It's just this understanding that you come to, you're like, God, I can't do anything about that. So I'm going to have a good time watching you take care of that, Father. And I'm going to laugh a lot, and I'm going to smile a lot, because you know what? I can't do anything anyway. You know, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I, it's not my middle name. I can't be the Holy Spirit of anybody. But I can pray and say, God, you know what you're doing. I trust you. And I can learn to enjoy this walk, this journey now that God has for us. This is not the best. The best comes. That's an eternity with God. But right now, would it be that the church could be fully alive and actually have some fun sometimes? Here's the, here's the next thing when you come to real life. You have or you start developing what I call life-giving relationships. How many of you know that we are not complete without each other? That's not a slogan. That's not a, a church membership statement. That is biblical truth. He said we are one body. If one member suffers, what do, what do we do? We suffer with them. If one member rejoices, we rejoice with them. We don't get jealous of the toe because we're the ear. We don't get jealous of the mouth because we're the hand. We are comfortable in who we are, and we need each other. Because when you have life-giving relationships, guess what? Then you're able to deal with real life, the hurts and the disappointments this world has. Then you're able to share your heart without being judged. Then you're able to share your dreams without being mocked. Because a life-giving relationship says, I value you for who you are and who Christ is in you. 
And I'm going to listen to your dreams. I'm going to listen to your hurts. I'm going to bear your burdens. And we're going to do life together. You guys get that here. See, that's part of being really alive. And then the last one is this. And that is that really when you fully come alive, now our lives are focused more on others than ourselves. Did I say the river gets deeper the further it gets from the temple? We, we, get, we get focused off ourselves. I, I, I'm, so, I'm so blown away, and I, I'm, so, I'm not going to say I'm tired of it because it's my job to minister to them, but, but can I tell you, God did not create us to be navel gazers. You know, if you, you self-introspect yourself enough, you will find a lot of things that are wrong with you. That's why I'm not a counselor. I'm like, get over it. It's who you are. I mean, I don't like mirrors. If you stare long and like, man, did that really form my head? Wow. When did that freckle come? Where'd the hair go? I mean, you just get all into it. I love that app that came out this year, the aging app. Anybody, anybody do that? Yeah, yeah. I saw Paul. He looked re- he, he actually looked really old, I have to admit. Now, I, I wish I'd brought a picture because I kind of looked pretty good, I'm saying. So it's just, you know. But it's just that whole thing comes together when we stop just looking inward, we start looking outward. And you know what I found over the years? God will bring freedom when you get your eyes off yourself and you start ministering to other people. For years, our counseling program at my previous church was a homeless ministry downtown. If you want counseling, great. Go serve grits for the next four weeks and I'll talk to you. Because there was something about serving others that all of a sudden you became aware of God is bigger than my need. And God is able, I'm not diminishing, I have great friends that are counseling, psychologists, they are trained, they do amazing work, we need them. But I'm just saying, church, listen, the body of Christ, we need to start getting our eyes on God and on other people, not on us, and God will set us free. He calls us to be fully alive, he says, wherever the river flows, that's where God is. And you know what, our base instincts as humans tell us, that's right. That's what we should do. That's what we seek. But you know what the reality is? Most people seek that, that fully alive moment in everything other than God. I was sleepily watching 60 Minutes about two weeks ago because on Sunday afternoons after two services, I don't know about you, but I take a nap. And, uh, and no football was on two weeks ago, so 60 Minutes came on. And, and, and there was this, this guy they were interviewing. And, and I want you to see a picture of him here in a minute. Yeah. He's that little dot up in the middle there. If you can't make that out, that's a wave. His name, his name is Garrett McNamara. He holds the world record for surfing the largest wave ever. That wave's over 100 feet. It's right off of Portugal. He's that little dot in the middle there. And they were interviewing him. And, and check out what he said. This is, this is what's amazing to me. Check this out. Getting hit with all that energy is, according to McNamara, part of the joy of big wave surfing this wave in Nazare, he ditched his board to prevent it from hitting him. You can see McNamara as a little speck on the lip of the wave. This is the view from the camera on his board. The lip lands on me, I get obliterated and I'm under forever and I was just loving every bit of it. <laughs> It was amazing. The way you say obliterated, it's sort of blissful. It's sort of, it's a little weird. Go, Garrett. Go, man. Woo! What's the enjoyment of getting obliterated, of getting wiped out? I think it's just out, there's out of control. Like when you're riding the wave, you're still in control somewhat. You're at the mercy of the wave, but you can choose your path and your destiny. When you're underwater getting pounded, you are at the mercy of the ocean. You're like a grain of sand in the washing machine on spin cycle, going all different directions. And, and that loss of control is, you feel alive. Feel alive. I think he's nuts, personally. <laughs> but did you hear what he said? He said, when I got out of control, I felt alive. Now, now I'm going to come back to that in a moment. He's crazy, but he has to understand something. You see... The question we have to answer is, we got this picture of the river, we got this understanding of God, God wanting us to get out in the deep by, by getting out there where, where his spirit sustains us and where, where, where we grow in our ministry and we, we touch lives and yet, yet we, we talk about it almost being so much mystical, it's like we don't know how to get there. And it's like, well, how then do you do that? How do you, how do you really come fully alive? Because according to scripture, we, we, we only find life, we only really embrace life when we let go of our control we put our trust in God. But isn't that counterintuitive? 
I mean, everything he made us as humans says, no, I've got to be in control. I, 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 it's our human instinct. It's, we gotta, it's that flight, fight or flight. It's survival. But yet, Scripture says it's just the opposite. If we want to find life, we've got to let, let go of the control over our lives and put our trust in God. Jesus said this in Matthew 16. In Matthew 16, uh, verse 24 through 26, he was speaking to those that wanted to be his disciples. And he said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. And that's a great scripture, but at the same time, you're like, but how do you do that? How, how, do you, how do you lose it? How do, you, how do you walk in that place of surrender? How do you, how do you get there? I'm convinced there's many people in the church of, of Jesus Christ today that believe for, believe, they've had faith to believe for salvation. Maybe it's just they don't want to go to hell. But from that moment on, They've pushed God aside and they've taken back control of every aspect of their lives. And if you really get down to the root issue and say, what is it you really want in your life? Most of them will say, I just want to be safe. I want to be in control. And and we get this illusion that that the blessing of God as we live these lives that are so predictable and and, and so safe and so ordinary that, that after all, I think God's sitting in heaven going, that is not what I made you for. But we settle for it. And I think it comes out of a, a wrong understanding of faith. We, we, we have faith to be saved, but we forget the Bible describes faith as this mountain-moving moment where we put our trust solely in God to do that which we cannot do and greater than we can ever dream that he can do. But yet we bring it down to where our faith is just in an emotional twitch. So we say, oh, I had an encounter with God. I got a little, I got a little prickly in my heart. That's good. And yet, that's not what God's calling us to. That's not, the, that's not what the river flows to. That's not what happens. God, God puts our people out there not to be predictable and uninspiring, but to be full of the Holy Spirit and trusting God to do great things. I forget the missionary who said it. I'm sure he was more famous than I can even imagine. But he said, as believers, we should expect great things from God, but we should also attempt great things for God. Sometimes we just got to get out there and we got to try it. We gotta, we gotta ride the wave, or whatever it may be, the whatever metaphor you need. But to, to say, you know what? If I, it's, it's, it's like Esther. If I perish, I perish. But you know what? I'm going after it. I know my purpose. I know God has called me. I have faith to believe that wherever He is, life flows. And God, whatever that means in my life, God, I'm gonna trust you. So let me ask you another question tonight. When was the last time you were fired about, fired up about anything in the kingdom? You see, we like other people to take the dangers. We like other people to take the hits. We'll send the missionary, we'll write the check, we'll pray the prayer. But when it's you're the next man or next woman up, all of a sudden it becomes real, doesn't it? And you know, the understanding is this, and that it, honestly, there are a lot of things that fight against us stepping out by faith. There's a lot of things that fight against us coming alive. In fact, I think the church has perpetuated a lot of those things. In fact, there's, to me, there's really three obstacles that I think of that really get in the way of us living that, that surrendered life, that, that place where it's like that Guadalupe River that when I couldn't get my ankles in because it was too cold, my dad's like, get in the middle, boy. And by the time I got there, all of a sudden my feet were off the ground. I'm like, this is the best thing in the world. It, it, there's something that stands in the way of that in our faith. And I think, first of all, the church has created what I call the performance trap. Spiritual disciplines are good. Yes, amen? Read your Bible, pray, worship, come to church. But can I tell you, we have to guard against our human nature taking over because we're all about control. And all of a sudden we set that up as a, as a box ticking, I can do it on my own way to somehow get to God. But really it's all about you, it's not about him. It's the Sunday school with the gold star that I grew up in. Man, I wanted those gold stars. I always took pride I had more gold stars than the next kid. Because that's our human nature. And we get in the performance trap, what happens is so often we, we, get, we can check all the boxes and we start going through the motions. And honestly, what happens in our spirit, instead of full of living water flowing, our spirits just get numb. And we, we're literally the walking dead. We're just walking around, but there's not a whole lot of life going on. And you know what happens when your spirit gets numb? It... it, it, it trickles across to every other aspect of your life because where your spirit man goes everything else goes 
And that's why we see in the church marriages getting numb. We see, we see finances getting numb. We see jobs getting numb. And a lot of it comes out of that performance trap. We have to remember this. God came to us. We don't go to him. He came down from heaven for us. He's made the way for us. Yes, read our Bibles. Yes, pray out of delight, not out of duty. Because when it's duty, we're just ticking the box. And we're getting caught up in this performance comparison trap. And that's when the church starts looking inward and fighting instead of looking outward and being a blessing. Well, I can quote more scripture than you. Who cares? When's the last time you prayed with somebody for salvation? When's the last time you showed somebody love that was unlovable? When's the last time you, you reached out to somebody that you knew you didn't want to reach out to, but God said reach out to them anyway? You see, guys, this river flowing, this, this life that, that, that the prophet spoke of, this, this, this fruitfulness that comes, this healing that comes, it's all for what's out there. It's not here. We're in the middle of the river. We're refreshed. We're enjoying, but if we're in that performance trap, we get caught into that. Here's a second obstacle I see it a lot of people deal with, and that's the storms of life. How many know that storms of life come upon all of us? If you're not walking out of one storm, you're probably walking into another one. That's, that's the world we live in. And the, and the image I have is this, because what happens is we so often, we know they're coming, we just don't respond to them well. And so we're out, you know, we're waist deep, and Jesus is saying, come on in. And we're, we're thinking about jumping in, we look up and see the storm clouds coming. Because I tell you, Satan will always come at you when you're trying to get into that place that God wants you to be. And we see the storm clouds coming, and instead of jumping into the arms of our Father and saying, we're going to trust you, we turn right back around and head to the shore. And so often what happens, we're really walking into the teeth of the storm, instead of the arms of our Father who said, I'll carry you through it. And worse yet, some people see the storm coming and they think that storm is their own fault. They're like, well, I deserve it. I mean, I'm just always walking into storms. And you become a victim. See, in the middle of the river is not full of victims. The middle of the river is full of victors. More than conquerors in Christ. Who look at a storm and don't foolishly say, bring it on. No, they look at a storm and they say, my God is bigger than that storm. My God is able to take that storm. My God will walk with me through that storm. If he doesn't deliver me out of it, he has promised he will never leave me nor forsake me. I will trust in him. You see, it gets in that way of being fully alive because it brings fear. And fear always either pushes us to God or away from God. But unfortunately, many people let it push them away from God. And then there's the last obstacle, and that's this. We, we are easily distracted, aren't we? I mean, with all the technology and all the abilities we have, we are just like, we like shiny things. We can't keep our attention on anything. I mean, it is a classic squirrel moment. It's like, let's go. And we're always looking for the next thing. That's why encounter is not an event. You're like, oh, I can't wait till encounter next year. What? You're going to wait 365 days to say, oh, I can get in God's presence? What's wrong with that? It's not an event. It's actually a beginning. It's a renewing. It is, it is God taking to us to a place where we deal with our distractions. Because what distractions do is they stand in the way of us truly experiencing God. Because here's the word distractions that we face, or at least I face. And that is when you start looking around you and you start seeing how everybody else is living. You start seeing how everybody else seems to be doing it. And you see them, you're like, wait a minute, they're not going after God, and they don't seem to have problems. They, they, they're not going after God, and their kids seem like normal. Uh, you know, and they, they, they own the big shiny house, and what's up with that, God? And we forget that God says our reward is not just here, it's in heaven. We have eternity where sin has no more hold on us. And if the good as you're going to get is on this earth, can I tell you, you're coming up way short. Because God has so much more for us. And we get distracted and we start looking around us instead of seeing God and, and looking where he's going. And we come to the place where honestly we do need an encounter and that's what we're here for. I did a little research on encounter. I don't know why we call it an encounter. Because an encounter is a pretty scary thing. Did you, did you, do, did you do that? Don't, don't Google it. Right. I know you never Google when Paul's teaching, right? So don't do that. Every Sunday I know. Y'all forget, we see what goes through the, the, the feed back there. We know everybody went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My church watches a lot of soccer about 9 a.m., I found out. So, 
Here's the definition of an encounter. This is a good old Merriam-Webster dictionary. Check this out. An encounter is when we come upon face-to-face an unexpected experience. That doesn't sound so bad, okay? But, next, unexpectedly experiencing or to be faced with something difficult or hostile. Welcome to encounter. We want you to encounter difficult and hostile. No. What it speaks of is this. We need holy disruptions in our lives. We need places where we just get out of our routines. We need places where we have a different perspective and and we have an opportunity for God to show us new things. I got to sit where Paul did for the last two nights, taking notes, sitting next to my lovely wife. I never get to do that. And I don't know why you don't take notes. I took notes like crazy because if you listen to God's word, there's so many little things there that God's like, yep, that's for you. Think about that. I'm still chewing on it because the word of God is alive. But we come to an encounter because we want to experience God. We, we want to come to that place where we, where we know him because our God is not a God to be studied. He's a God to be experienced. He's a God to be loved. He's a God to be in relationship with. The Bible is not a book to go to get your PhD on. The Bible is a testament of who God is and how we can get to know him. So we come to these encounters, and we come to the place where we, 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 or we, we say this at Hope. You have your own sayings, I'll share my saying. We say our mission is we want everybody to encounter God. So I want it to be face-to-face. I don't want it to be intellectual. I don't want to mentally ascend to my understanding of God. I want to stand in awe of my creator and recognize the one who gives me life can also take me out in a heartbeat. But out of his great love for me, his wrath has been taken upon his son instead of me. And I've met the man named Jesus, and my life has never been the same. It came from an encounter. Because when you encounter God, then the next thing is you experience hope. And hope is not wishful thinking. Hope is an anticipation of greater. It's what God can do when we begin to experience real hope, and it leads us then to this part where now we can engage in our mission. That's back to that purpose, but we can only do it well if we excel in love. That's really, to me, the Christian walk. That, that if we, we can do everything, but if we don't have that love that's been flowing through us, that living water again, we're nothing. In fact, we're in the way of people coming to Christ instead of re- reaching out to them. So, so here's the thing. We come to this picture. We come to this river. And, and we, we come to this place of saying, how, how do I get past my human instinct that says, no, I'll stay close to the shore? How do I get past this place where, where, you know, it's okay, I've got enough Jesus in me. I had a man on jury duty the other day, I got called to jury duty and had it sitting next to guys, and I'm a talker, so I'm talking, and, and a guy finds out I'm a preacher, usually it gets weird when people find out you're a preacher. It's either immediate counseling session or you get cussed out, one of the two. That's why on planes, I'm a coach, I'm a spiritual coach, you figure it out. I could be Oprah, I could be a preacher, you figure it out because I've just had too many weird encounters. But he, he talks to me, and he, I said, you know what? I'd love to get coffee with you. He said, you know, I'd, I'd like to get coffee with you too, because everybody can use a little bit more Jesus. I said, you don't need a little more Jesus. A little bit of Jesus will mess you up. Because Jesus never gave anybody a little bit. He's all in or he's nothing. He's Lord or he's not. So I said, you don't want a little bit of Jesus. I'll buy you a coffee. We'll talk. But I'm telling you, if you got a little bit of Jesus, your life will change. And maybe not for the better. Think about it. I shouldn't have said that. He didn't call me back for coffee. But it was, it was important in that moment to help him understand that this, this place of getting to where now we can say, God, I'm, I'm all in, it starts with an encounter. Think about it. When you were saved, you had to understand this, this truth that, that my life is not my own anymore. I was bought with a very precious price, the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And because of that, I don't claim ownership. But I also then give responsibility to God. That's where the laughter comes in. I'm his. He's mine. He guides me. He leads me. But it only comes at the point where I'm willing to surrender everything. Instead of waking up saying, God, what can you do for me? It's waking up and saying, oh, king, what would you have me do today? Oh, king, where do we want to go today? Instead of the prayer being, oh, do this, fix this, change this, get me out of this horrible job, God, God, I'm going to a place where you've made provision. God, what do you want through me to happen there? 
changes everything, doesn't it? See, I believe we're embedded. I think God embeds us in the mill. God embeds us in the store. God embeds us in the, in the school. We are his agents, not to be secretive, but to make influence. But what do we do? We're escapists. Let's get back to the shore. This, this river's hard. I can't believe God had me work with all these heathen. <laughs> Welcome to our world, people. That's why, that's why God says we don't judge. We don't judge the world. He said, he said if we judge the world, we, we're going to have to leave because it's all around us. He said we need to get our own act together. Then we can witness to the world because they need us. But we, we get to that place where we say, King Jesus, what would you like me to do? You see, it's all about responding. That's what encounter is. It's all about coming to that place of saying, God, where is it that, Lord, I have said to you, no, thank you. God, God, where is it that, God, you, you've been pointing the way, but I've been unable to go there, God. Lord, I'm encountering you. I'm experiencing you. And what I, what I love is this. God's not, he's not with a hand in your back saying, get in the river. No, he's in the middle of the river saying, y'all, come. Come on. And we have a choice. We, we either surrender or we don't. We, we either go all in or we're not. I, I love how Jesus always called people. Remember he said, hey, follow me and I will make you fill in the blank. Fisher of men. I will make you a, a, a prophet to a nation. I will make you an encouragement in an in a office situation where there's no encouragement. Follow me. I will make you a, a wife, a husband who just speaks life. A mom or a dad who just prays blessing over their kids. Follow me. Never did he drive us. That's why in Matthew 11, uh, Scripture, I always grew up loving. He says, come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? You see, being in the middle of the river is not about God driving us somewhere, pushing us somewhere. It's about us getting our feet off the ground and floating in the current of the Spirit and Him saying, okay, as the next tree, you're exiting here because there's somebody that needs to know me, so go tell them. But sometimes we get weary. And He says, I'll give you rest. I don't know about you, but I, I can get burned out pretty easy. I, I, I'm one that's not satisfied unless I have about 10 balls up in the air juggling at the same time. It's a curse. And I have to always come to that place of, God, take me to rest. Because I will walk to the place where I just can't stop. That's how I'm wired. But God says he'll lead me to a place of rest when I trust him. It's all about surrender. It's all about allowing God to be God. Go back with me to close this tonight. Go back in the imagery of the river, all right? Go back and picture that river flowing out from the temple and the, and the, and the angel or the spirit of God leading him out. He says, you know what? He said, the first thing I did is I took him out to water that was ankle deep. I, I'm an ankle deep person when it comes to the beach because my parents, bless them, took me to see Jaws when I was six years old. Yeah, that will mess you up. Poor dolphin swims by. I'm screaming my head off trying to walk on water. I mean, it's just. But, but you, you know, have you ever been, when I was a kid and we'd go to the beach, my, my brother, he would always like, I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to get my foot in the water. And I'm thinking sharks, you know. And he just comes running by me like he's walking on water and dives out in the water, splashing on having fun. And finally, I forget about the sharks and I find myself out there with him. That, that's the image here. But he says ankle deep is not really okay. Because ankle deep is I'm in deep enough that, ooh, I feel a little love here, but I'm still in control. And I can walk out anytime I want to. And unfortunately, that's where I, I, I dare say majority of believers are right now in America. Enough Jesus to make me sleep well at night, but I got to be in control in the morning. I'll see you again next Sunday, God, but I, I got to be in control. So he takes him a little further and he goes knee deep. Now, I love rivers. I love being up in the mountains. And my, my daughter lives in Colorado. I love getting up in those rivers because when you get knee deep, you start feeling the power of the river, don't you? 
all of a sudden you realize those rocks are slippery and this water is strong and you start bracing yourself. And, th- and I think the needy place is where God has a lot of us and that's where we're like, okay, God, I want to get out in the middle, but I'm still battling over control and I've, I've put my feet down firm, God, and I'm saying, if you want me, you take me there, God. And we wait for this Holy Spirit moment for God to lift us up and take us out. You know what? He never does that. He's still out there saying, come unto me. We forget. Our God doesn't drive us. He draws us. He leads us. He ministers to us. So we're knee deep. It's okay. It's okay. We feel the river. This is real. Okay, God is real. I'm still not sure. I just don't know that I can trust him. So I'm, I've always got that, that backpedal. I can always get out. So he takes him waist deep. Now, if you get waist deep in a river that's current, you're that close to floating down the river, aren't you? I mean, one wrong move and you're, you're done. You're just like gone, right? And, and yet, that's how I think a lot of us are an encounter. It's like God has taken us this place. I was thinking to myself last night, and I'm, I'm just being very transparent right now. I'm slap worn out. Second building program in a year and a half is nuts. And, and I'm just like, God, I'm so tired. And I could feel myself, and I saw myself in that waste place. And God was just saying, one more step toward me, I'll take over. One step back, you're still in control. Your call. And tonight during worship, thank you, worship team. I could just feel that, that leaning in, that, that taking that step in, and that refreshing that only God can bring. And church, that's what he wants for us. Because it's the refreshing that rubs off on those that don't know what refreshing is. It's when we get other people wet, because we're all wet, that people start coming into the kingdom of God. But we're yelling at them from the bank, and we have nothing to offer, We're driving them as far away from the church and and from God as we can. But we're out in the middle splashing around with Jesus. Ultimately, they see that looks like fun. That looks like life. I'm dry. That's refreshing. How do I get there? So church as believers, it really comes down to do I trust God or not? I see him out there, I see the goodness, I, I, see, the, I see the beauty, but, but it really comes down to that simple question, is God good? And we have to answer that. Do I trust him or not? Paul, do you remember the early days, back when we were both starting the churches and we were talking? I came up with all kind of metaphors. I'm a metaphor person. And I'm like, so this is what it feels like to bungee jump, and you really don't realize, it, is it really strapped onto me or not? Because I feel like I'm a hit bottom. And my prayer was always, oh Jesus, catch me. Because I've jumped off and there's no turning back. And you know what's interesting about that is I now 11 years look back nostalgically at that. But in the time, I was kicking and screaming like, oh. But I was fully alive. I was asked the other day would I start another church. Paul, would you start another church? You were, quick, you were quicker than I was to answer that. You like this one. Okay, okay. Yeah. I had to look at him for a long time, and, I, and my answer was so politically correct. If God wants me to. It's a yes, but it's a waist-deep yes. God, I have trusted you before the river was fun, but right now it feels good to stand on solid ground. And God wants us to always be in that posture of willingness to say, come on. Do I trust him? Is he good? Will I go deep? Do I get away from the thought that deep is here and realize that deep is out there? Do, do I get away from notching my belt because I can study more, read more, and, and explain the Greek? Or do I just get around real people that are lost and spend time getting to know them and given an opportunity to share the answer of hope that's within us with gentleness and respect because every person we meet is somebody Jesus died for. All those people you hate online are people Jesus died for. All those ones that you demonize because they're of the wrong party or the wrong whatever, they're the people Jesus died for, just like you. And we've got to get into the middle of the river because as long as we're on the edge, all we're going to do is see our differences instead of seeing the fact that the love of God makes us one. See, church, I didn't come tonight to pep rally you up 
I, I didn't come tonight to twist your minds with let's get deep into the Greek and the Hebrew. We can do that if you want to. I'll mispronounce it all. But I came to challenge you tonight. You have encountered God. You have come through under some amazing teaching. You've come through amazing worship. You've had people come and pour into your life. But can I tell you, if you walk away and say, well, encounter's over, you've missed the whole point. Because all it is is getting you into a position where you are waist deep in the water. And, and some of you have already jumped out. You, you're, you're the quick responders. You're like, I'm all in. But I, I, I've got to believe. And as I was praying for you today, I was like, God, I've got to believe because I know the body of Christ. I study the body of Christ. For a vast, vast majority of us, we're teetering. We're just teetering. We're like, oh, that felt so good. I love that. But tomorrow I've got to go back to work. Exactly. Tomorrow you've got to go back to work. But it's not you working. It's you getting your feet off the ground and saying, all right, Father, how are you going to use me today? Because you know what's cool about the Holy Spirit? The Bible said that there will be times where he will even speak through us. That's not just speaking in tongues. That means you find yourself saying something to someone in the back of your mind. You have a preacher moment. You're like, that was good. I didn't think that up. Because God will use us. I was speaking to someone at a coffee shop not long ago that was really struggling with identity issues and how could a holy God, how could a good God, and all those kind of things you always hear. And I, I, I was, I didn't know what to say. And I remember just praying quietly, God, you promise you will give us words. And the only thing I could say to him was this. I said, you know, all I can tell you is this. There's a God that loves you with a love you can't even imagine. It's something like you've never experienced. And if you'll just open yourself up to him, he will help you. You'll find your identity in him, and then you'll understand. But like Paul was saying earlier, the questions were hard, but God is good. And if I tried to answer, well, let's theologically break this down. I'll pull scripture out and tell you why you're wrong and I'm right. It's done. But if I could just look at him and say, and I'll have coffee with you as much as you want to talk about God's love for you. The Holy Spirit will speak through us, but it's in the middle of the river. So let me ask you again tonight, when's the last time you felt fully alive? Bam, won't you come? When's the last time you're like, God is flowing in me and through me, and I'm not avoiding conversations, I'm looking for conversations. When's the last time you went to work and it wasn't like, oh, here I go again. It's like, you know what, I got a captive audience, not to be the freaky Jesus follower that's going to have all the t-shirts and all the buttons and all the nice slings, you know, Jesus ease, but the real one that weeps with them that weep. And rejoices with them that rejoices. I didn't come out of college to be a preacher. I came out of the corporate world. My office was on the 72nd floor of the Texas Commerce Bank building in Houston, Texas. Before I got transferred to Charlotte, North Carolina. One Charlotte Plaza. I didn't know I'd be a preacher. I knew I was a believer. And I watched God in that setting which was a very high risk, high reward kind of setting. I watched God bring people across my path day in and day out that needed somebody just to tell them God loved them. When I, when I left my corporate job and I, I went out, the, the partner said, we're not surprised. We've never had a preacher come out of here. That's kind of weird. But everybody here comes to you when they're in trouble. See, guys, ministry in the world is not preaching on a street corner. Maybe God calls you that. It's more likely God brings someone into your life. And you just come alongside of them. You say, hey, we'll go to a game, go, to, go on a hike, get coffee, whatever. And you listen more than you speak. And you let the river of God flow through you and the love come out of you and the water starts getting them wet and all of a sudden they start getting refreshed and then they start asking questions and then you realize you don't have all the answers but you know Jesus because if you remember the early disciples they were not educated men but what? They had been with Jesus 
they had lived in the middle of the river long enough, it just came off of them. Guys, that's the witness God has for us. The question for you tonight is this. Where are you in the river? And what are you willing to do about it? God's not asking you to go get a degree to make it right. He's not asking you to, you know, go through 20 classes. He's just asking you tonight, are you willing to take one more step closer to me? Because the more you get closer to him, the easier it really is. So I want you to stand with me tonight. Pastor Paul's going to come and lead us in a moment. I want to pray for you. I thank you so much for allowing us to come and speak into your life. And I feel this connection tonight with you that, that God's doing something in here that is familiar to me. It's something God is working in us right now. There's a new chapter he is trying to write in your history. There, there's a new page he's turned. And he's saying, forget the former things. You can't rely on what you did in the past. He said, let, let the living water flow in us now. There's a fresh anointing. There's a fresh flow. There's a fresh power. You may have been the, you may have been the saint that I was baptized in the Spirit back in 1955. Great, you spoke in tongues. Can I tell you, God today wants to pour his Spirit out on you fresh and anew. I can't live off of yesterday's water. I need fresh water. Because if not, I become a marsh. I become a swamp. Nothing lives in a swamp. So Father, help us today, God. Lord, as we come to this end, as we come to this conclusion, God, we, we, we don't come to a stop, God. We, we come to a place where you're inviting us forward, God. Lord, you're inviting us forward, God. God, in the middle of the river, God. Father, you're calling us off the rocks. God, you're showing us that ankle deep is okay, but it's not really okay because at ankle deep, our control will keep God from being able to work through us in his power and his might so that others may know him. So he invites us in. My question to you tonight and my call to you tonight is this. What's God saying to you right now? Son of man, what do you see? Daughter of the king, what do you see? Father, tonight, help us to respond to you. God, help us tonight, God, to get real with you. And God, help us tonight to receive that which you want to do in us. So here, here's my question. I'm going to invite you to in a moment as they begin to lead us in worship to just come into this front area and do business with God. Spend a moment with him. Pray, release, get into his presence. Let God speak to you. But here's the thing. God right now is, is showing you. He's showing showing you the area he says if you'd surrender that to me then living waters will flow out of you it may be that relationship that you're trying to justify but it's not biblical it's not godly at all and you just kind of let it go but trust god they have something greater it may be that that worry that you live with every day. Will I ever have enough? And my question is, have you trusted God with everything? Because if you don't, you'll never have enough. But God makes big things out of small things when we trust Him. It may be that health issue, and I, I, I get that. I'm getting older. Things don't work like they used to. I get that. But can I tell you, God will see you through if you surrender it to Him. God will walk with you if you surrender to Him. Some of you are studying. You're trying to map a course of life. That degree is going to be the doorway to something. You know it. But can I tell you, God knows His plans for you. And God knows how He's equipping you. But you will never find life until you surrender everything to Him. Some of you may be listening in or maybe here tonight, you've never made Jesus Lord. That's, that's, where, that's where it begins. He doesn't invite you to come check him out and take him on a 30-day drive. He says, I want to be your Savior, and I will be your Lord. Until you're willing to address that, I can't be. So when we invite him in, we say, thank you. Forgive me. Be my Lord. I surrender to you. So, Father, help us. God, as we sing this song, help us to respond to you, God. Help us to make a step of faith tonight, God. And help us to allow you, God, to, to, Lord, lead us into the deep water, oh God. That, God, even this week, we're going to experience more and more, God, as we put our trust in you. Let's respond to God tonight as we worship him.
Um, it's been a number of years ago that Wendy and I were walking on the beach, and uh, like we like to do whenever we can get to the beach. And I looked at her and I said, you know what? We have a good marriage. And she was like, yes. And I was like, whew, you know, that's good. She agrees. And I said, but I, I don't want a good marriage. I want a great marriage. And I think that's kind of where we are tonight. We can be a good church. You can be a good Christian. I just don't want to give my life to that. You know, I want to be a great church. We want to be great followers of Jesus. And so um, I love the call. Like it's, We're either all in or we're not. There's no in-between with Jesus. But can I help you clarify the whole encounter? And then I'm going to ask you to, to move. Because there is something about moving. It's like, God, move me out there. But I'm not going to take a step in here. You know, like there's something about moving. So here, let me clarify. Four nights of amazing teaching, of phenomenal worship. Those aren't like adjectives that we have to add to make it seem better than it was. If you've been here, you know it's been that good. Can I just tell you that tonight God's not after everything in your life? He probably is just after the one thing that you need to do first. And so would you close your eyes? And would you ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what is the one thing? I could tell Wendy all day long, and we could say, hey, we want to have a great marriage. But at some point, we had to do something to take a step toward a great marriage. It might be turning the TV off so we could talk to one another. But there's got to be something and if we just say, well, we'll do it, we'll do everything, you got to have a step. So would you right now ask the Holy Spirit to show you what that step is for you? And then here's how we're going to end the whole encounter. You know, we don't take up offerings at Encounter. We, we don't ask you to give money every night. Um, we're, we just trust the Lord and we bless the, the people that come. Because what I want to call you to tonight is I want you to be the offering. So if God's giving you that one step, then I'm going to ask you as the band starts to sing, I'm going to ask you to be the offering tonight. And to do that by coming to the altar and putting yourself here and saying, Okay, God, you gave me the one step, and I'm going to step into the offering plate, which we don't have, but you know what I'm saying. I'm going to be the offering. And we're just going to wrap the whole thing up up here at the altar just singing this song. And I'm just praying that he fills us with the overwhelming reality of how much he loves us. And that that would be what propels us out of here into the deep waters in our city. Okay? They're going to start singing and you're going to start moving. If he's given you that one thing, you come and be the altar. Come present yourself to the Lord and just worship him. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over. Oh.